Welcome back to the Swirl Suite, everybody. Before this episode gets started, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who's voted for me for Favorite Chef. So Favorite Chef is an online competition for, I guess, like content creators that revolve around food. So it's a it's a voting based competition. You can see all of our profiles. I'll provide the link for mine in the description. But um, local chefs, amateur chefs, content creators, we're all in this competition for an experience to cook with Carla Hall, some cash and to get featured in this magazine. So we are finishing up round two today. And uh, I appreciate, I appreciate so much your votes. I didn't think I was going to last this long, but it's been fun. Um, So yes, thank you again and keep your votes coming. This episode, we talk with novelist Rebecca Rosenberg. So Rebecca is a lavender grower. She lives in Sonoma and she grows lavender, but she's also a writer. It's funny, as I was talking to her, her life sounds like like a character in a novel. I mean, she grows lavender. So I'm just imagining these lavender, this lavender farm. And then she lives in Sonoma with all of these wineries. I mean, she's sort of living a dream, like a character. Anyway, we talk a lot about wine history and we talk about her two books, Champagne Widows and Madame Pomery, all about women who ended up taking over a champagne empire after their husbands die. Um, it's a great episode and you're going to learn a ton. And before this gets started, as usual, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a comment and share. Cheers, guys. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everyone. I have a very special guest with me today, Rebecca Rosenberg, novelist, uh, wait, in Sonoma, <laughs> resident, I just learned. How are you today? Cheers, by the way, Serena. Cheers to you. Cheers all to right, you. All right. I've got my grape bubbles. I love uh this is breathless sparkling wine. Have you ever had that? I have never had it before. It's a uh, gold medal sweepstakes winner and it happens to be the cover of my Champagne Widows book. So I love oh. it. <laughs> How about that? And it actually it actually came from an old Champagne advertisement so I think that's a really fun tie-in that's perfect and it, I call it my house champagne didn't you always want to have your own yeah house, champagne? house yeah I mean who doesn't who doesn't this is it you are living a life I so love thanks it for having me of course of course uh, I was very happy to have you on the show um if you don't know I have a book club so I have both of your books here and my other co we do Instagram lives every quarter for our book club. And my co-host, Janelle of Burger and Wines, she was like, okay, don't start reading yet because we're going to read it together. So that's, one of your books is going to be one of our, our next book club books. Oh, I'm very excited. that's exciting. Very cool. Yes. I yes. do, uh, if you, well, you do the Instagram live, but I also do Zooms with book clubs for free. <laughs> Oh, and, how cool. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's re- really cool. And I have a whole slideshow about these two great women that we're going to be talking about. So it's fun to share on Zoom. Nice. That is good to know. So let's back up. Have you always been an author? Tell us about how you became a novelist. Well, actually, I um, 
am a lavender grower. <laughs> and mm. this is fresh from the garden, just picked for you, Sarita. I wish I could <laughs> give it to you, darling. <laughs> I wish I could smell it, believe me. But it smells so divine. And so my first book was Lavender Fields of America. Huh. And that is a picture of our lavender fields right there. And we live, as I was telling you before, we live in Sonoma Valley among all the vineyards. But this is our mm. lavender farm here. It actually is about the hundred, actually there are 200 different lavender farms that are in America. So it's about all of those farms because oh, wow. our company which was the largest, is the largest lavender company in America, uh, did products for all these farms. And I thought that would be so neat to write about why they were inspired to grow lavender and all the benefits of lavender. And so that's that was our first book. And mm -hmm. it really is a spectacular book. All the lavender fields from all over the country. Wow. It's beautiful. So it's really, it was really a labor of love. So that was, that got me writing. Okay. And then I couldn't stop. Then I started <laughs> thinking of all the stories that I've heard about women specifically that really inspired me in the past. And so I start, I started getting into, this was the first woman that I knew about, Gold Digger. Her name is Baby Doe Tabor. And she was a gold miner way back in the day in 1878. And she was the most, turned out to be the most scandalous and richest woman in the country. Hmm. So I had learned about her as a child and I, that was my second book. So okay. I, by then I was really rolling and I got on to my third book, which is really juicy about the love triangle between Houdini Jack London, who was a famous, the most famous writer of the 1900s, and his wife, Mrs. London. Wow. And so that was that. And now that brings us up to date with my current books, which are all about champagne. And we we decided that I love champagne. <laughs> I've lived here for 33 years, 33 years. I can't believe that. And so I, when I started visiting Champagne and realized there were real women in the 1800s that made Champagne, I knew I had to write about them. Mm -hmm. And why were they widows? That was right. so interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was probably back then, it was probably the only way they could be in Champagne is be the wife of someone. That's right. Because they could not own businesses mm -hmm. uh, when... Back in the 1800s, a woman was not allowed to own a business. Only mm -hmm. one loophole to that Napoleon Code, and that was if she was a widow. Mm. And so I discovered that there were a number of champagne yeah. widows in Champagne. And I started finding out about who were the most interesting ones and the most famous ones and the first ones and all of that. So yeah. that could give me a lifetime of writing, actually. I know it certainly could, because I did read Widow Cluco. And that was that was I was fascinated with her story alone. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. This is the that's the champagne, which is about Bove Cluco. And I've learned, oh, I have my little props here. So this is 
the Blue ah, Clicquot champagne, which everyone will recognize with that beautiful orange label. Yeah. So Vov is pronounced like love. So it's mm -hmm. Vov Clicquot. We yeah. all kind of call it Vov, but it's really Vov Clicquot. So she, here she was 20 some years old and she wanted to make champagne so badly. And she actually came from a super wealthy family. And this family didn't want her to be making champagne. They wanted to marry her off to a nice, rich yep. young man and be happy. But she didn't want to do that because she had a curse. Do you yeah. know about this? Yes. She had a curse called la nez, the nose. And she that that meant that her sense of smell was so developed that it kind of made her cranky because she would smell terrible things in the 1800s, but she really could smell grapes and how they would blend together to make an incredible taste. And she wanted more than anything to do that. So she kept pushing and pushing until she married her childhood sweetheart, who would be the only man who would help her do this. Yep. And she started making champagne. Love yeah. her story. And there's and the way that she had to fight yeah. All these things that we've been fighting in the past couple of years, pandemics, I found out there were like five different pandemics going at the time and she had to fight mental illness like we deal with today. Mm -hmm. And she had to fight these laws against women who um, for owning businesses and she had to fight Napoleon himself and his 15 years of war in order to forge her industry. So I, yeah. I thought she was amazingly remarkable for 1800s. Can't imagine. Yeah. And um, Leslie and I, my other co-host, we were discussing how involved um, other countries were. She had to get really creative because one, the market where she lived, they just weren't buying her wine. So she got really creative and she was selling to London and Russia and all of these places just to sell her wine. So she could, at the end of the day, you know, win because it was really, really tough for her. Yes. And actually, Napoleon Bonaparte made it illegal to ship champagne out of France. So it right. made it really difficult. Yeah. And she was super gutsy and yeah. broke his law. And yep. she and it was treason to break his law <laughs> to ship her champagne to Russia. Yep. So my favorite part of this book is where Napoleon marches his <laughs> army across Russia um, to meet with the czar because he thinks the czar is his uh, long lost lover. They had a really bro, like a bro romance going on, bromance going on. And um, he got his army there and the czar had actually burned all of the capital so that he could not conquer them. Mm. And here he was stuck there you know, with his whole crew. And what did he find? But 50,000 bottles of Vogue. Wow. wow. So that was a moment. That was a big moment. And he trudged back over the blizzards through the fields and lost half of his army. And, um, and he met with, he act. this is true story, true history. He stayed overnight with the Clicquot family 
and mm. she hosted him. And so he had a few words. They had a battle in the end. And I thought that was fantastic. Wow. How interesting. Yeah. Uh, and Can your you book, imagine? I can't imagine. <laughs> no, I can't imagine beating Napoleon Bonaparte at his own story, at his own whim. It was amazing. Mm. Uh, so how are your, what person are your books written in? Who, who's, who's telling the story? Is it you? So, well, it's all first person. Okay. And it's all, it's all first person. And so it is vocally code telling a story. Gotcha. And where right. I get that input is through all the, you know, like this many volumes of everything that's ever been written about her, but she did, she was in the 1800s. So not a lot is written about her. And even the winery, which I have visited mm, six times now, does not get into the deep history. But I did hire their historian to do a whole day with me and walk through all the, luckily, her homes are still there. Her mm -hmm. winery is still there. All of the vineyards she owns are still there because both Clicquot is, is one of the top 10 selling champagnes mm -hmm. in the world so that's where I got a lot of info about her luckily the they did like both Clicquot did an amazing book of history so they have the history of both Clicquot and that was lucky because um the next book Madame Pomery they didn't mm -hmm. really have that down and a lot of wineries are not really did not go back and make a history book about their winery and how it came about. Mm -hmm. So how did you research that book on your second Which one, Madame Pomery? Okay. Madame Pomery? This yeah. one is Madame Pomery. Yeah. And Madame Pomery is about the woman who came to the same town. They lived in the same town, by the way, and it's called Rons. It's hard to say, but it's R-E-I-M-S, Rons. And they pronounce it a little bit differently. Madame Pomery created Brut Champagne. So she actually revolutionized the taste of champagne. And that's what we pretty much all drink today is Brut mm. Champagne. We don't drink the sweet um, yeah. dessert champagne that both Clicquot was doing. Yep. And how I was able uh, to... Talked to the historian many times via email and also in person for, from Madame Pomery, but I'm just saying they didn't know, they don't know as much about her. Mm -hmm. So you have to research all the different people that you find. I'll give you an example. Um, in Madame Pomery, actually the entire German army invades France when she is just starting to make her champagne oh. and they invade her home and use her home as their headquarters. Wow. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> and so the winery says that it's a Prince Hohenlau. And when I was doing research, including like the New York times articles and all this other research of biographers that have gone before, I found out that it was not Prince Hohenlau. It was a, a man, a um, general named, here, here's his picture, named Francis, named General Francis. And okay. so this, I, I 
found out that he was the one who was in her home. And by having this visual of him, that's his actual portrait, you know, I could kind of really feel like what their relationship was about. And by the way, here's Madame Pomery. I love these little posters when I, oh, I mean, yeah. look how beautiful she was. Yeah. And so she was a whole different story than Veuve Clicquot. She was not wealthy, even though here she looks very wealthy to me. <laughs> But she was 40 already by the time her husband died, and she had a two-year-old daughter. So she had a late-in-life daughter, and she had a son who was in law school, but, and she had to support them and put them him through school. And so she had no choice, really, but to do something in business. And she did not like the wool business her husband was in, so she started the winery. Or and started the champagne factory. So, so I'm very curious. The son, the, whole, did, the son didn't want yeah. to take over. The son was young, like 17, when his okay. father died, and he okay. was away at law school already. And the plan was that he would continue. And I, there's that's a very curious fact. And I asked Pomery about that because the son does not take a giant part in the winery. Mm -hmm. he's just one of the workers and I mm -hmm. portrayed him as that so he didn't really love that but he used his law degree to help her you'll find out in uh, okay. a very funny very funny debate so when when that general France took over her house and all the Germans occupied all of France, by the way, for two years, they occupied France and ran the war out of her home. And so she had to hide her champagne because they were drinking it all. Okay. And what did she do but go to the city dump, which was on a high butte, and she dug tunnels underneath that butte and hid all her champagne. Uh -huh. Wow. So later, and it's in the novel, her son helps her deal with the city later when they want to say, hey, you didn't own that land. Why, you know, who said you could do this? And he figured out a way to help her. So that's like that. that's really fascinating because um, I love the camaraderie that you're describing because with with Widow Clicquot. Yeah. Her relationship with her daughter was not what I expected. So you've got this powerful woman who runs this champagne empire, but she still raises her daughter to be married off rather than what she is. And I was really confused about that. I was like, huh, why didn't she try to push the business onto her so she could be a little like her? But I, I thought that was interesting. It is, Sarita, and I'm glad you brought that up. So two things two reasons for that one it's true <laughs> right mm -hmm. and two is that do you have a daughter I do not no I don't have kids okay so I have a daughter and she's totally not like me okay and my mother was totally not like me mm. and so I wanted to portray when I found out that the daughter wasn't interested in her business at all, which is which really kind of hurt me. <laughs> it killed me, you know. Well, why wouldn't she want to take over this business? 
then I realized, wow, we, we all have to deal with that all the time where we're dealing with family members that are not like us at all, who mm. don't have the same objective. So I wanted to be real with it. And um, so I was trying in, in Vogue Clicquot, you'll notice, remember how her, she doesn't get along with her mother, right? Yeah. Vogue Clicquot does not get along with her mother and she doesn't really get along with her daughter and she learns to deal with that and she learns to love them anyway. So that was a big point. We don't mm -hmm. always get to choose our relatives. Gotcha. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, Glennis, welcome. Meet Hi, Rebecca. Glennis. Hi. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Um, I'm sorry, I wanted to show you those caves underneath the city dump that Madame Pomery built. Aren't those amazing? Wow. So she had her champagne in these caves. This is all the champagne right there with wow. the bottom. So you're seeing all of that underneath. And they sent them up and down with these baskets. I really, these women are, are amazing, truly wow. amazing. This is um, the Vaux-Clicquot Caves. The, and I took this picture, actually, in the Vaux-Clicquot. Oh, wow. And I call them creeres because they're, they were previously built by the Romans and um, to get chalk out for building supplies and for other things. And then the French just discovered them and used them to store their wine. <laughs> Thank you for that. So you have, I, you, you brought out all these props. Uh, I see. <laughs> Are you going to savor the bottle while we're recording? Oh, well, I will. I will. Or you're, uh, you're just going to demonstrate. You. I'm okay. Going to demonstrate. So this okay. is a saber. Okay. And do you know who came up with sabering, Sarita? Or I do not. No. So Napoleon Bonaparte developed sabering because he, he conquered. For 15 years, he was trying to take over Europe. And so he would go into town and they were going to pillage and uh, take all the wine they wanted. And they had their sabers in their hands. And they would take a bottle. I'll use this bottle in case it comes off. <laughs> and they would lop off the top. So this saber you can buy, and this one we've named uh, Reb de Lavande for our lavender gardens. And you take the bottle and hold it to the side and you can look at the seam. There's a seam to a bottle. So you hold the bottle with the seam to the top and you're going to take off the foil first and you're going to loosen the cage on the champagne and then you're going to only slide this down and then forcefully push off the top. So you do it pretty fast, like And where people, if you want to get a, a funny joke, you go on YouTube and you see the, the sabering that doesn't work. And you'll see that men typically are very bad at sabering because I've they want to, yeah. they want to, force it and they cut the bottle in half huh. so all you really all you really have to do is slide that off and it will <laughs> that top will pop off <laughs> i love it i love it um so to uh, close out our serious questions where can everyone find your books 
easy answer is Amazon. You can find all of um, all five of my books at Amazon awesome. right now. And you can order them from any bookstore and you can find them on bookstores.org also. So they come in paperback and in um, eBooks and Great. some audio. I have some audio. Oh, really? Okay. All right. So I have, I have, wait, it's just five, five questions for the both of you. Okay. Cool. Close out questions. How many times have you savored a bottle of wine? Hundreds. Hundreds. Glennis, what about you? Have you ever savored a bottle? You're, you're muted, Glennis. Zero. Nope. Zero. I haven't. I, I've witnessed oh, Glennis. it. I've had you gotta do it. I've witnessed it and I've had the opportunity to, but the line was so long at the wine event or champagne event that I was at. So I just witnessed it. Yeah. Zero for oh, me too. What we, really? So what we do, what we did long ago, because we live in the country and we live in wine country. So we would get a, a case of champagne for our sparkling wine mother uh, for New Year's. And even with our family. We would teach the kids how to uh -huh. savor champagne. It's oh, nice. really not that hard. So we have done hundreds and we do it for every occasion, you know, weddings or whatever is happening. We're doing it. Hi. So I, I really hope you will give it a shot. Yeah. And by the way, you do have to, this, this part, you know, will pop out. So you mm -hmm. want to be away from a crowd. Oh, sure. Yeah. Second random question. Name something that's okay. always in your purse. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, my newest fun thing is wine wipes for your teeth. Sarita, huh. <laughs> okay. I see you're drinking red wine, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So there are these little wine wipes that mm -hmm. you can do this. So this yeah. weekend we went to a whole wine event, 200 wineries and uh, red wine really stains my teeth. So I'm like, mm. I love That's it. It's just a funny thing. Yeah. Other than car key, my car fob, these right here. Clackers, oh. cause I hate, hate, hate things in between my teeth. So. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Mine would be chapstick. I, yeah, I use a natural peppermint chapstick that is always with me. I cannot stand, it's that in like a really thick, I love Trader Joe's hand lotion, chapstick and hand lotion. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand ashy hands or ashy lips. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I have a little bit like Nivea in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can't wine, For wine related talk, I always have non- smeary lipstick so that you don't Ooh. look at this glass i've been drinking out of it ah, there's wow. no lipstick yeah that's a good one that's a very that good is a one. real good one yeah. yeah i used to carry a wine key in my bag until um i started to forget it when i flew and it would always be taken and it would be one mm -hmm. of my favorites so so i stopped i stopped carrying wine keys okay if you have to stop for fast food at the airport, where do you go? Oh, Glennis, you go first because I have to think. <laughs> oh, this is hard because I don't eat fast food. Mm, um, I don't either. I don't either. I always try to find like the local restaurant that's in. Well, seriously, I go to the Priority Pass Club. 
I don't uh, really go to I always go to the club. And if there's no club, I go to the local restaurant that's in or there you go. in the Okay, I like that answer. I go to the club and I order the champagne. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's an answer. There you yep. go. There Sounds you. like a first world answer though. <laughs> well I'm um, embarrassed, but yeah. Um, champagne girl, so what the heck? There you go. I like, okay. I do not like the Bojangles here, but I like <laughs> Bojangles at the airport for some odd reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. But in the South, especially so for some odd reason, they do the great fried chicken and great biscuits. So my yeah. answer is Bojangles. Yeah. I don't, and, and I don't really eat fast food either, but you know, you know, when in Rome. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Iced tea or lemonade? Mm, one seventy-five. Uh, well, <laughs> I always make a Arnold Palmer. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mix it. French seventy-five is the champagne of lemonade. Sure. That, that oh, it is. That it is. That it is. My answer is. What's your answer, Glennis? Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. I always mix it. Oh, yeah. oh I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's my answer too. I mix them. All right. Last question for you both. And I cannot wait to hear the answer. What is your favorite experience that involves champagne? Well, I think uh, the story I told you where we get a case of champagne and savor it on New Year's is really special. And I'll tell you one other thing, because I brought these as little Cute. as something to show part of my props. So every year we uh, decorate champagne glasses, usually for the usually around Christmas, and then we use them for the New Year. So this one was in, and then we put the year down here. Oh. This one was, in, uh, yeah. So this one was in 1920 or eight or 2020. Sorry, but look how pretty this is. It's little yeah. bubbles. My daughter did this one. Yeah. So you can just get the glass paints and it's really fun to do. So that's my favorite. I love that. That's really cool. What about you, Glennis? I know you got some champagne stuff. Oh, oh, you only asked for one. Okay. So I guess my favorite one, which didn't cost me a dime, but we drank uh, Perry-Joy Belle Pope oh. for the whole evening. We were at a resort mm. and um, one of the guys who was there was kind of wealthy. And um, we drank all of their belly poke. Hmm. So they um, didn't have any more when we finished. <laughs> and kept coming back to our table saying, do you want more? And we look at the guy. He's like, yes, okay. And someone, someone was picking up that check? Oh, most definitely. Yes, that was, that's what makes it such a memorable experience. <laughs> I don't even know what the... Well, I know what they were charging because at a resort, you know, they mark it up almost 200%. And then I know for sure we drank all their stock and we had about five to six bottles. So hmm. that's so that's I love my it. Yeah, I like that one. I love it. Um, let's see. Mine, mine was when I was in Paris. I was uh me and my husband were actually visiting and uh, the other co-host, Tanisha, who lives in Paris, 
she said, before you go, you have to go to the river and drink wine. So the river, it's, I mean, it's a body of water, but it's, it's, it's like a little bridge or whatever. So we took our bottle. This is on our very last night. We took our bottle and we went to, we went to the bridge and we drank, we drank champagne at the water. And it was very, it was very cute. Favorite champagne moment. It was awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. I've seen that too. When we, we have cruised, it was at the, um, oh, what is the Seine, right? In Paris. Mm -hmm. Was it the Seine that you went to? Okay. So we have cruised the Seine. It is the Seine. Mm -hmm. And so we have cruised and we've seen everyone out there drinking their wine. And Mm -hmm. I'm so jealous when I see them sitting there. It's so fun. Rita, I can only imagine how thrilled you were since you got your husband to sit there and drink champagne mm-hmm. instead of beer because he's such the beer guy. So uh, exactly. I am so impressed. Exactly. Tell Alan I said, hurrah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You like yes, champagne? Ma'am. I'm sorry. Does he like champagne? Oh, he'll drink anything. Yeah, he likes. But yeah, he yeah. loves champagne. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he's more of a beer guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's bubbly. Yeah. Indeed. Wow. How fun. Well, well I, Glennis, I just want to tell you real quick that last year, my husband and I led a tour through uh, Champagne region and we got to stay at the Perrier Joette um, house. Oh. House. Uh, I'm hanging up. I don't want to hear anymore. I'm jealous. No. <laughs> I wish you were there. The demon's going to come. That was a favorite. That was a favorite moment. And we gave all the money to breast cancer. So that felt good too. So it was like a breast cancer auction item and we won it and we all went. It was amazing. Like eight of us went and and it was, oh, that is so delicious. Did you? So delicious. Okay. So you did that. So you must have been able to drink the unicorn of Perrier Belly poke their rose. Their rose is yeah. Actually, I'll I'll send you. Um, oh, pictures. now you're gonna tease me with pictures. Okay. <laughs> plan it for next year. We could both we could both bid on the auction item at, with the American Cancer Society. Excellent. I, we did that. You know, we did that during COVID. Mm. bid on it and we were also like oh my god I don't care how much it is but it didn't turn out to be very much because people mm. weren't really doing it so it was fantastic it was wow. amazing so what is next time Perrier show up by the way they taught me that if there are two dots over the e that you pronounce the t two dots so over the e you pronounce the t Huh. I always was thinking it was, you know, Perry HOA. Okay. It's not. I didn't know that. Noted. <laughs> Noted. Great. Well, Rebecca, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining the Swell Suite. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Yeah. And I think people should start with Champagne Widows. Champagne that's Widows. The first woman of Champagne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Exactly. So where can everybody follow you and find you? Oh, uh, on Facebook, you can go to Rebecca Rosenberg Novels. Instagram, Rebecca Rosenberg Novels also, which will lead you to Novelist. And pretty much if you do that, you can find me. And my website, 
you can get reader's guides. I have reader's guides for all the books. So it's Rebecca-Rosenberg.com. And it's got media kits and it's got reader's guides. It's got a lot of fun info. Great. All right. Thank you so, so much Thank for you. joining us. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Thanks for joining this world suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us five stars and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Vine Me Up. Glenn is at Vino Noir. Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha. Vino 301 is Leslie. And you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media.